0: welcome to Apartment 29A. I'm Shosh.
1: And I'm Megan. And we're two best friends who have a lot to say. This week we're going to talk about the podcast South Beach Sessions, the book Fable by Adrienne Young and its follow-up namesake. Then we're going to talk about Florida and Disney and Ancestry.com. And while we do that we are going to drink Peach Melba Instant Tea by Witterd. What do you think of the Peach Melba Instant Tea?
0: I love it. <laughs> I know, me too. I thought it might be too sweet for you because it is pretty sweet, but it's delicious.
1: Yeah, it's I, a candy in the, it's liquid candy in my mouth.
0: <laughs> it really is. I was going to say, I don't think it tastes that much like natural peach flavor no. or as you were saying maybe even tea <laughs> some kind of peach flavored drink and it
1: is so good yeah no it's really good I will definitely drink it we're drinking it cold because it said you could do it either cold or hot we went with cold or iced but neither of us really had lots of ice so just cold <laughs> just cold um and uh I definitely do not need to add any sugar <laughs> I don't either it's like perfect Mm -hmm. it's
0: really really good
1: very enjoyable very different from what we've been trying recently I would definitely drink it again oh yeah I I would even purchase it it again this Mm -hmm. isn't just one where I'm
0: like I would finish what I have because I've already have it this is one like I would actively get
1: and drink Mm -hmm. yeah it's a nice drink so good Mm mm-hmm all
0: right. Shall we talk about South Beach Sessions?
1: So this is a podcast that um, a friend of ours sent me because he said that he thought we'd really enjoy it. He and I, um, Amir and I were talking at Easter um, about doing interviews and the process of writing. And this obviously came up in his feed and he was like, we were talking about the process of writing and um or like trying to figure out the format for a podcast, for instance. And he was like, I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. So I immediately sent it to Shosh and was like, let's listen to this. And we did. And here we are. Um, (laughs) My initial, it was funny just because we're going to have different experiences here, because we've learned that um, commercials are different in your region. So my, like the show starts with a Coors Light commercial. And I was like, oh, this is far more bro-y than I'm used to getting. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: mine did not start with a commercial at all. I had one ad in the middle and it was for uh, I can't even remember the name of it uh, clearly it was great marketing but it was for unique products for gifts for like a website so I, I did, did not you get the uncommon the, goods one. Oh yes that that it was uncommon goods that was the only one that I had in the middle
1: oh that's nice I had like three in the middle oh so. <laughs> which is fine it's, it's good to funny. be is in the UK like, in such this instance yeah <laughs> so the this particular episode of South Beach Beach Sessions is two gentlemen talking about writing, the writing process, writing books mainly, uh, but also writing podcasts and writing shows. And I don't, I have no idea if this is how it's oh every episode is or not, but it was very interesting.
0: I think just from reading the description of the podcast that it's just interviews of all kinds of different people and all sorts of different areas so tv sports music so I think you know each week is just an interview
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I thought it was interesting it was the author who wrote Moneyball and while I have not read the book I have seen the movie and it is very enjoyable so in that respect I felt like I had a bit of connection to the person Mm -hmm. and so I did it was kind of interesting listening to the conversation but the same kind of critique that I had from last week if anybody was listening I really didn't like that there was no intro Mm -hmm. I honestly thought that I missed something I was so confused because I was leaving work and I realized that I hadn't listened yet and that I needed to listen before we were going to record and so I was leaving work and you know I thought that I was just not paying enough attention because I was so confused and I was like I don't know what's happening and so I started it completely over and then I was like nope this is just how the podcast is. So I wouldn't even have known who they were interviewing if it hadn't been the episode title.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and,
0: or I could have looked up who the author of Moneyball was because obviously they said some of the things that he had written, but mm-hmm. they, they never even introduced who it was. I wouldn't even know who was interviewing him again if it wasn't in the podcast notes. Right. So I was, I was just very confused because it also kind of started out with like a bit of like a little anecdote. It wasn't even like a normal sort of lead in and so I was like I don't know what's happening. So it was interesting but I would have preferred to have some kind of intro I think to the podcast.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. Like cuz I feel the same way. And so I want to tell people like if you you shouldn't assume that everybody who's listening to episode 400 has any clue who you are. And I don't know how many episodes they've done. So it maybe I think it's like five, sixty-seven. <laughs> no, no, because yeah. I looked
0: because I was like, "Is this a new thing? How long has this been going?" Because I was curious, and I kind of wondered like, "Oh, if I went back to episode one, I guess would I find out what this is all about?" Mm-hmm. And I know you're not going to literally explain the whole story of a podcast every single time, but I feel like you kind of can. Like, mm-hmm. for example, I'm thinking of what should I read next. At the beginning, every it's always the exact same intro, and Mm -hmm. it's it takes like two seconds, but she just says who she is and what the point of the podcast is, and then Mm -hmm. goes into it. Mm -hmm. And even though I've heard a lot of episodes, it's not like that bothers me or anything. Right. And And if I had never through it if you really wanted to. Right. And if I had never listened, then I would be like, Oh, so this is what this is about. Mm -hmm. And this is who's talking to me. You know what I mean? I just I don't know, it's a really bizarre.
1: Yeah. And I don't know if people cut it out for time. Like this was, it's a 56 minute podcast. If you listen to it on the regular speed, which I don't know why anybody would do that, but you know, <laughs> yeah, why do. would you do that? <laughs> but I can't anymore.
0: If I, if well, I start to listen to on a regular because speed, I'm
1: like, it sounds so like slow. they're sloths. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen
0: Zootopia? Mm-hmm. It's like the yep. sloths when they go to the the is it the d m v or whatever mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. It has to be sped up,
1: yeah, for sure, so funny how we get used to it, but it was but so- in- oh go ahead,
0: no, I was just gonna say you were saying it might <sighs> be save time, but an intro doesn't take
1: very long. like I don't think it saves
0: you really much,
1: right. I'm just thinking about why people might do it. But back to this particular episode. So the author's name, I looked it up, is Michael Lewis. And he wrote Moneyball, but he also wrote The Big Short. And he's written a book called The Premonition, A Pandemic Story, which also, obviously, he said at the end, has been auctioned off for movie rights and is becoming a movie. So another another interesting movie to come as well as a book obviously
0: it's kind of crazy that like all of his books are bestsellers and become
1: movies mm-hmm. yeah like all right well and he he came off as so confident about it but not cocky which I was really impressed by like because lots of times when people come off as confident as he is sounds like you want to it sounds like he like it sounds like that person has put themselves on a pedestal and all you really want to do is like take a swing at the pedestal so that they fall (laughs) off but I didn't feel that at all I just felt confidence where he was like now that I've written a couple of these books I know what it feels like when I feel this I lean into it I have a lot of respect. I really appreciated his saying he has so much respect for his readers, like he thinks about his readers kind of like, I think he said it was like his mother, where she may not know anything about baseball or about insider trading or about all of these things, because that's those aren't her fields, but that doesn't make her stupid as long as she is interested she should know these things and he wants to tell her these things and so that's how he writes that's who he's kind of envisioning is his audience and I was like
0: oh I liked it too where he was talking about his wife catching him like laughing while he was writing (laughs) and he was like I know it sounds pretty silly and dumb because it's basically me just laughing at my own jokes but he he was saying like he knows that he's actually writing something good if he's laughing at his own jokes Mm -hmm. and I just thought that was so funny to think about him just sitting there like giggling to himself because I mean that's Mm -hmm. what I would probably be doing
1: oh for sure and I was like and I like the idea of
0: his wife just catching him doing that it's so funny
1: Mm -hmm. and he even said like I'm not a humorist so I don't even know why I think I'm so funny but I'm funny
0: (laughs) (laughs) sounds about right (laughs) It was interesting too because they talked about how he got started in writing and he basically like fell into this Wall Street job and then he started writing about Wall Street and his first article he published and he even put the name of his firm on it and his boss was like look you can't do that (laughs) especially because the article was like we're getting paid too much basically (laughs) we're getting paid too much to do our jobs and his, his boss was like you can't say that and he's like but what we do and he's like yeah but you can't say that so he had to write start <laughs> writing under a different name and not mention the firm And i can't believe that he wasn't smart enough to realize that he shouldn't mention the firm name <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: when he would write an article like that to begin with but whatever he was young i guess mm-hmm. but talk about confidence like if you're willing to look your boss in the eye and say yeah you're paid too much <laughs> <laughs> right oh man yeah, that's not going to be me. <laughs> no, no, me neither. What do but you I... think? Is this something
0: you would keep listening to?
1: Yeah, I have subscribed. I want to see what other episodes are like. And again, like what the format is of them. Um, yeah, I don't, because I don't know if this is one of those, like, you just need to know, like, I don't actually know who the host is. His name's Dan, Le- Dan Libitard maybe I don't know that that exactly sorry um so maybe I'll figure out more about who he is through the episodes I don't know but I'll definitely see what comes up and if there is like if it's always kind of long form interviews which wouldn't be bad to listen to particularly if we do want to bring on other authors onto this show It's not a bad idea to see how other people do interviews.
0: It's an interesting thought. Mm
1: -hmm. I was kind of thinking that while this was interesting, I'm not
0: sure that I would subscribe. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean I would never listen to another one. I just, you know what I mean? It didn't necessarily make me think I want to be listening to this every single week because this is so amazing. So it was super interesting and I enjoyed this one. So if you're subscribed, then maybe you can just tell me if there's good ones and if I should be listening to it.
1: I can do that. I
0: like That's the same get to them.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. You're like, this is the new one that will be at the bottom of the list when I have time.
1: Yes, that does seem to be what is happening.
0: All right. Any last thoughts about South Beach sessions?
1: No. It was, I mean, I guess, yes. I always think say no and then say something else. So I don't don't know why I ever (laughs) answer the question no. Um, But it was interesting to hear like other people's processes. In particular, he talked about the difference between writing a book and writing a podcast or in writing like a show that gets that more immediate feedback versus a book where you don't get any feedback until the very end. I was like, interesting. How about you, any final thoughts? I don't think so. Um, do you want to tell us about Fable? Sure. So Fable and Namesake is a duology by Adrian Young. Although I don't know, do you still say it's a duology if there's a prequel coming out later this year? I think so, because it was written as a duology and I think
0: the prequel is like an add-on. It's not even like a full book. It's like additional information to add on to the duology. So I think so.
1: Okay. Well, good.
0: (laughs) I mean, what do I know? But that's what I'm going with.
1: (laughs) Me too. Uh, So let's go ahead and read the back of the book. Um, It says, for 17-year-old Fable, the daughter of the most powerful trader in the Narrows, the sea is the only home she has ever known. It's been four years since the night she watched her mother drown during an unforgiving storm. The next day, her father abandoned her on a legendary island filled with thieves and little food. To survive, she must keep to herself, learn to trust no one, and rely on the unique skills her mother taught her. The only thing that keeps her going is the goal of getting off the island, finding her father, And demanding her rightful place beside him and his crew. To do so, Fable enlists the help of a young trader named West to get her off the island and across the Narrows to her father. But her father's rivalries and the dangers of his trading enterprise have only multiplied since she last saw him, and Fable soon finds that West isn't who he seems. Together they will have to survive more than the treacherous storms that the haunt that the Narrows if they're going to stay alive. Makes it sound very
0: dramatic.
1: I know. Yeah, like overly dramatic for books that <laughs> like, it has its drama, but I would have said this was one of those books that actually feels YA like maybe almost agreed. middle grade but maybe just a little above middle grade agreed i thought
0: this book felt very young
1: mm-hmm. still enjoyable though
0: very easy to read mm-hmm. probably especially because it does feel a bit younger mm-hmm. those are often a bit easier to get through quickly mm-hmm. i love the covers of these books so these books are so cool because each individual cover is really nice but the thing that's amazing about them is that you put them together and they make a whole face Mm -hmm. and I love it it is
1: so clever Mm -hmm. so clever so see duology yeah exactly there's no third book for the face (laughs) exactly
0: exactly but I really, really like the covers. To be honest, that was part of the reason I wanted to read these. <laughs> I mean, they're all over Bookstagram. I mean, lots of people mm-hmm. have read these. And mm-hmm. I think because the covers are so nice, I see them like all the time, literally mm-hmm. everywhere. And I just kept seeing them and being like, God, I really love those covers. It's like, I need to read this book because it's everywhere.
1: Yep. To be
0: honest, though, it's been a little while since we read this, which is why we decided we needed to talk about it before we've literally forgot everything. But it's not that fresh in my memory. I did really like Fable, as in the character.
1: (laughs) Not the book. I mean, I like the book, too,
0: but the main character's name is Fable. And I thought it was really fun that she's a diver. So she like, her job is to dive for gyms, dive and then trade these gyms. And while it's not the same as the diving that I do, <laughs> I really liked that she was like a diver and that she had this sort of connection to the ocean and that she was on the reefs and that kind of stuff. So that was very appealing
1: to me. Nice. You have a cute little connection there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I mean, I. It obviously didn't really stick with me in terms of the specificity of what happened. Like, I do remember, but I think I probably remember more of what happened in Namesake, so book two, uh, than in book one. Where, and I certainly don't remember off the top of my head exactly where book one ended and book two started.
0: Agreed. They all kind of blend together in one story.
1: Mm-hmm. And obviously,
0: we don't want to really give any spoilers, so that makes it a bit hard. But I think the thing is, is, like, the books are really good. Like, the story's really cute. You know, there's some good relationships. There's some good, you know, sort of dramatic moments. There is, like, a developing story. But in the end, it felt a little bit predictable. Mm-hmm. So, like, the the book felt a little bit young, and it felt a little bit predictable by the end. So, it doesn't mean that it wasn't good. It's just, you know, it wasn't really going to surprise you or be anything sort of amazing that you haven't Mm -hmm. expected or seen before i guess
1: yeah for sure if you agree with that or have any other thoughts no i I fully agree with that um you know the things that you are supposed like there's certain character traits about her father or about west which is the her key love interest um these traits you're supposed to really buy into to see them in a particular light and if you don't buy into that then when there is a reveal about it you're like yep that's what i said like (laughs) 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 um so you still feel for the main character who's like going through that and you can see her perspective it's just not a surprise
0: yeah agreed But it was still a fun story. Mm -hmm. I still really, I really enjoyed it. And especially if you want like an easy book. Because I I sometimes I like those, you know, like books that are just sort of easy to read and get through, Mm -hmm. kind of fun. And I feel like this was one of those.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with that. I mean, I gave it, I think, four and a half stars. I mean, you can't really do that. So it's just four stars, but because it was just so quick and fun. So I
0: gave each four, and because I didn't write a review, I don't know if that was supposed to be four and a half or not. <laughs> but I did I gave both of them four. They have really good ratings on Goodreads though. Both of them are 4.09 stars. So mm-hmm. that's actually a really good rating. So obviously people are really enjoying
1: them. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a fun fantasy book. Puts you in another world ends up I haven't feel good about things
0: yeah definitely
1: I haven't read anything else by
0: this author I don't even know if she has any other books
1: actually I think she does but I have not read anything else either yeah she's got a couple uh different series so there's one called uh sky and sea there's some books there's a book called spells for everything that could be cute i was gonna say i like the
0: name of that one Mm
1: -hmm. don't
0: know anything about it but
1: no me neither looks like she really enjoys some duologies
0: but you know that's kind of nice because some of these other ones it's like they're just so long and that's it's like good and bad you know because obviously if you're really enjoying a story it's like you want more and you want the world building and you want all of the quests or you know different things that they're doing but then sometimes you're like it's just so much and then also if you want to reread something if if the thought (laughs) of like rereading a series it's like six books or something you're like oh do I really want to commit to that so sometimes Ew. it's kind of nice to just have you know one or two books in a series
1: mm-hmm. for sure yeah there are to- I mean definitely definitely times where Shosh and I are like what's just a single book any single books out there
0: <laughs> oh no Megan Spells for Forgetting isn't even out yet <laughs> September oh. 27th of this year
1: <laughs> there you go
0: I was like oh wow this has really great ratings but not that many only 179 and then I'm like oh it's because it's not actually out yet all right we'll keep our eyes out for that though that might be a good one to put on our list all right any last thoughts about fable
1: no truly no
0: (laughs) (laughs) I, I was ready for you to say no but and then and give me one, one last thought. No, nope. <laughs> not going to do it this time. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Well, if you're done with Fable, do you want to tell us what's going on with Disney in Florida? <laughs>
1: I mean I love that you start by
0: (laughs) just laughing.
1: (laughs) Florida is just a a crazy place to be with to live in politically as far as I can tell. Florida's messed up man. Yeah so you know Florida has put out this don't say gay bill so that you don't talk about sexuality with young kids because somehow that's going to prevent them from understanding that there's a thing called sex and gender in the world but whatever or stop Um, them from having questions right Just because you're not allowed to
0: answer them doesn't mean they're not going to ask or have questions right
1: yeah and uh, this idea that you should just always say go talk to your parents while i wish that was a healthy way to do things some parents just don't know some parents just don't care some parents are going to give horribly homophobic answers so no thanks uh anyways um (laughs) disney (laughs) felt at least similarly to the feelings i am expressing and they kind of let that be known and so the state of florida uh, has changed some rules so disney used to have its own um governance from within the state uh and Florida pulled that and so now Florida is supposed to be in charge of all things governing in terms of Disney which at first you go eh, whatever like that's not a big deal and then you realize all the things that Disney paid for so Disney paid for all of the emergency services and a bunch of taxes in that area and all of that is now going to the local residents who are going to have to pay more for emergency services and taxes and as far as I think NPR said today they're already some of the most heavily taxed people in the country certainly in the state but also in the country so I'm sure they're gonna love that as a citizen of Florida.
0: Well plus Disney is a gigantic company and so many people love Disney and they have so much money. So why would you want to make them your enemy? Because they're also making things harder because it used to be because they could basically govern themselves. They didn't have to get special approvals, like build new things and stuff. And now I'm sure now I'm pretty sure they said all of that stuff has to get approved by I guess the state government, I don't know. But basically it makes it harder for Disney to do anything. And I'm like, why would you want to make an enemy of Disney? And why would you want all of your constituents to have to pay all of this extra money? And why would you want your state to have to pay all this extra money and all of a sudden deal with things like emergency services?
1: I don't know. I mean, I I guess it's in principle, but I find it very strange considering... If this was a free speech issue, this is technically the government overriding that free speech. So you're that's literally what, like the thing you're claiming you want a free speech, you're actually doing the exact opposite of. And I was just right. like, well that that's is,
0: that's what I don't understand. It's like so hypocritical. They're like we're for free speech and we hate cancel culture and then yet they're like all the things that they're actually doing even though that's what they're saying is the complete opposite so it's like we like free speech but really you're only allowed to have to talk if you're thoughts and ideas align with our thoughts and ideas and what we want in our agenda and we hate liberal cancel culture but yet we're going to start banning books and banning critical race theory which isn't even a thing in elementary and <laughs> high schools whatever like lower education oh, I mean, we should but we should
1: bring it down i'm sure that a whole, are going to understand judicial law critical race theory
0: <laughs> it's a that's a whole different issue but but you know they're like banning these things they're like you know essentially trying to cancel disney and like i just i don't understand and it's so hypocritical and it drives me insane literally it's like you can only have the same thoughts and ideas as us if your views are any different than we don't you're not allowed to have them even though what i'm saying is free speech
1: you know and we like private business until those private businesses don't do the things we want them to do Until the private
0: business speaks out against what I've done. Mm
1: -hmm. So, yeah, I can't can't get over all of this. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's crazy. But yeah, yeah. I mean, and I have no idea if Disney really even cares. If Disney's like, okay, so I get to pay for less stuff now. Thanks. I can now buy more lawyers who can help me, you know, when I need to be able to get the spaces that I now have to request to do all this business in florida i was gonna say it sounds like they've actually just made things easier for disney
0: i mean for the most part not i mean obviously there will i'm sure be i guess some more paperwork or red tape to say like build new things and stuff but you know if we now have to pay less taxes and we don't have to worry about emergency services and everything that goes with that that's just easier for them and i mean how likely is it that Florida is going to tell them they can't expand or do something? Because as much as they're having this war against Disney, it's like one of the biggest employers in their entire state. And it brings in so much money and so many people, like they don't want to get rid of Disney. Well, that was the thing too. I also heard on one of the podcasts i'm blinking on which one that they were also going to be moving a bunch of corporate jobs from california to florida and now they were like oh we're probably not doing that so they're like hurting jobs in their state yeah, like also 120
1: corporate jobs or something like that yeah yep just
0: n- nothing about it makes any sense
1: nope i don't get it at all and all because disney disney of all people who's being like they're yeah they're not super liberal they're just willing to occasionally say yeah this character is gay this character is this like I'm not saying they're they're homophobic or anything I don't think they are but I'm just saying like Disney hasn't been like the paragon of virtue in terms of making sure that the LGBT community is fully supported
0: (laughs) well that's the thing that's so frustrating about this too I'm pretty sure originally Disney kept their mouth shut now, I don't know what they were thinking, but originally they didn't even weigh in. It wasn't until all of their employees, I think maybe threatened to walk out or something, but it was because of the employees pushed and were basically like, you have to do something about this. With so the Florida finally, residents
1: who work for Disney? Right, who work for right? Disney.
0: Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And they said, you have to say something. Like I said, they like threatened to walk out or maybe did walk out. I'm not, I can't remember exactly. And so then Disney spoke up because by the time Disney said something, it was basically too late for the bill anyways, because they hadn't said anything originally. So it was yeah. like, Disney didn't want to weigh in, weighed in because, you know, their employees basically pushed them to, and then Florida's still like, oh, we don't care how or why it happened. <laughs> You've said something, so we're going to come after you.
1: Yeah, I mean, but do you think that is the state's way of trying to punish the employees because? we assume they work in in or around the disney area and therefore they are the ones whose taxes will go up like is Maybe. The, like
0: well that's the thing one of the podcasts was saying that unfortunately the issue actually polls really well even though it's basically hurting a lot of people like it actually does a appeal to you know the super conservative you know side of interesting of of people because again it's like you know you can't tell us what to do you shouldn't weigh in on this kind of again it's I mean it's backwards from what they're actually saying about free speech and things but
1: yeah Yeah. yeah yeah and this is why I can't let go of it this week I just I could do not I'm like it's so blatantly hypocritical to me that I just can't I don't understand how people don't see it
0: Oh, I don't get it at all.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I don't anticipate it's, you it's very, answer the question. <laughs> i just kind of very like, confusing. What is this?
0: No, all of it doesn't make sense. I mean, yeah. why are they banning math books because they have critical race theory? It's math, literally math. I did listen to, I can't remember, it was one of the MSNBC podcasts, I think, but they, one of their reporters went and found like hunted down the books that were getting banned, the math books. And most of them had nothing. And like one of them had historical references of things that were happening or where stuff could apply like culturally or whatever. So there was like some history, there was no critical race theory, but there was like some history and stuff mixed in, but still these are math textbooks that literally has nothing to do with critical race theory. Also that they're not actually banning critical race theory because that's not being taught in schools regularly,
1: but still none of it makes sense. It's math. Well, and on its, on its face, to be critical of your race, is that really a problem? Are we so scared? Like, I mean, I know what critical race theory actually is, but let's just say we don't know and we're just literally going by its title. Are we so scared to, be, to think critically about race? why is that so scary because we don't want to be told that we're wrong we don't want to look bad why well who are we saving face from other than future generations who should look back and say really you didn't own that crap oh i'm 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 with you i'm not saying it's right right no i know i just i don't understand it
0: it's just a trying to disguise racism basically right we want to maintain white superiority so we will use this thing and you know use it as a shield for our racism and make it this issue. Did you hear I think it was in Michigan the one of the local government like the state government they're gonna have um, like the current race and the conservative person accused the more liberal i don't actually know how liberal she is but the you know the more liberal candidate of being like basically awful and in line with like pedophiles and all the stuff that they keep saying about everybody and she got up and she gave a speech and it was awesome she was basically like you know how can you you know I I don't even know she just everything that she said it was just really really good and she was like I'm a white Christian mother from the suburbs whatever and you're like trying to pin all this stuff on me and she's like she had some line too about how her mom or her grandma or something had taught her the actual value of basically like public service rather than just hiding behind the name christian or sitting in a mm. pew every week and using that to say that you're like a good person or whatever i mean i'm totally paraphrasing that is not a direct quote but i was like yeah man we need more people standing up and like saying it how it is because she actually got up there and like honestly just basically shot the other person down and said you're how could you even say this about me hmm nice yeah you'll have to see if you can find
1: it I think I did hear about that I
0: just thought it was really good because I just feel like these days there's so many conservatives that they just say that everything about everyone I mean we saw it with Ketanji Brown Jackson they tried to say that she was a pedophile because she appropriately sentenced some (laughs) cases that had to do with child pornography
1: right yeah she used her ability as a judge to give this the the ser- the uh, yeah the servants the service that she thought was needed instead of what was suggested by a piece of paper.
0: Well, but that's How the thing she her. was arguing because they were saying, "Well, you didn't give the the maximum sentence," and she was like, "Right, but there's a whole list of things that you have to consider."
1: Right, exactly. And and not and only, that was her job. Not only her job right, is to make exactly. She was like,
0: "I." She was like, "I assessed all of those." and it was in line with other people sentencing similar type cases she's like so that was fair and they were like it doesn't matter you didn't give the maximum sentence so therefore you must be a sympathetic towards them and you must be a pedophile so that's the thing it's like I mean it's because they want them to believe they want the QAnon people basically is what's happening but it's just crazy that they just throw around like people being you know all these awful things all the time. And I'm like, not everybody is like that, but you literally just keep slinging it around as if the whole world, except for you and your followers are all of these terrible things. And it's just not true.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and also there seems to be the logic of, as long as I can paint you as awful, then my awfulness is okay. That's and right. I'm like, that we're is We're not as awful. Yes. <laughs> I'm and like, my awful we- is less awful than you're awful. Yes. And because that's the argument I hear all the time from my conservative friends is like, yeah, but these other people are bad too. Okay, well then let's not have these other people either. Or like, like that doesn't doesn't matter what I do; it matters what you do. What is your decision? It's about you being a good person, or in this case, the person you are choosing to vote for, and them being a good person. Like, and you're they're never comparing them to the person to their like. The person who's opposing them they're comparing them to like hillary clinton like okay well she's no longer running for any office so you're why do con- we care yeah move on <laughs> so it's so that particular line of argument i'm always like oh so we're gonna go down the who's worse and, it, and you know i can feel okay because your care your your person's also bad okay great <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, doesn't make any sense to me. No, me neither.
0: All right, all sorry, right, I think I took us down a crazy rabbit <laughs> hole
1: there. It's all right, bring us up from here. Tell us about Ancestry.com. Oh my gosh,
0: I'm so excited. So Amir and I finally decided to get those kits where you send in your DNA and it tells you where you're from. And we happened to get the ones from Ancestry.com, which is a pretty well-known company, So our kits finally just arrived, so we haven't sent them in yet, but I want to do it immediately because you have to wait like six to eight weeks. I already had to wait a couple weeks for it to get here, and you have to wait like (laughs) six to eight weeks once you submit it to get the results, but I'm really excited about it. I really want to see what it says, even though I know generally where a lot of my family sort of came from, I still want to see what it says, especially because... I have previously talked about my ocean master and he did this and it was amazing because when he got his results without him indicating where he was from, it pinpointed it like exactly his parents are from, he's like from a pretty small region in Poland and his parents are from like towns right next door to each other and it literally like pinpointed to that exact little region. And I was like, oh my gosh, Impressive. that's so crazy. Mm-hmm. I know. He was like, I don't know how it did it. It's not like it just said it was <laughs> Polish.
1: <laughs> right. it was,
0: or, or like, you know, like Southeastern Poland. It was like legit in his area where his family is from like in the towns and i was like that is so crazy and obviously i don't know if it can be that specific for everybody because there's like lots of factors including how many people have submitted samples and things so stuff is always updating and stuff but still i'm really excited to see what it says and also when you get it you get sort of like an introductory offer for the ancestry.com stuff which we have looked at before, but it's a little bit expensive. I mean, there's some Mm -hmm, free stuff you can do. Like you can build your family tree on your own. It's just the information that you need. But to like actually start searching records and all those kinds of things, you have to pay for it. And it's kind of expensive. So we had looked at it before and considered it, but we had never actually done it. But you get uh, like a three month, basically free. I mean, it was so cheap. Introductory thing. So I have just been building, building, building my trees and going down the rabbit hole, looking at stuff. And it's amazing. I love it so much. Sometimes it's frustrating because I can't find the things that I want. Like I can't find (laughs) anything really on one of my grandmother's sides. And that's kind of sad and frustrating, especially since she's gone. So I can't actually ask her any questions now, but in some places I'm finding tons of stuff and it's so fun. There's like tons of like old census records that are like handwritten and stuff. And it's just, it's just so cool. It's just really, really cool. And I love it and I'm addicted and I just keep wanting to find out more stuff. It's so fun.
1: Yeah, that is fun. It's fun to learn about the past and what, what areas you might be from, what areas you need to visit, what little things like you might learn about yourself just from learning those things. Super
0: interesting. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Really cool. It is kind of sad, though, because like I said, I kind of wish when I was younger, I would have asked some more questions, especially on my dad's side. I would really like some more information, um, you know, about both my Grandmother's and my grandfather's family there. And, you know, I can't really ask them any questions now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm like, why didn't I ask when before it was too late, you know? But Mm -hmm. I was like young and also not looking at it. And also, I don't know, even though you know that they won't be around forever, you still kind of just feel like you'll always have time to do those things. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, I kind of wish that I would have started this sooner so that I could ask them some questions, but Mm -hmm. it's still really cool.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's a part of me that's like, why don't we do family trees in elementary school at some point? Because like I had to do some family stuff, but in my master's program, because I was taking psychology classes and marriage and family stuff comes up all the time. So you go back and you do their family trees that are really focused on emotions and relationships and not so much focused on just blood. But um. It was still like, I learned some really interesting things about like my grandma and her family that I had never, you know, I never even thought to really ask because I didn't know any of the family that passed away before I was old enough to know them. Right. So I didn't, it's didn't like I could say, Hey, grandma, tell me about your sister. Like she never mentioned it. I don't have any siblings. So it's not like people are going to be like, Oh, that's how I felt about my sibling. You know what I mean? So it wasn't until much older that I was like, Oh Like you had twins, like she didn't have twins, but like she had twin sisters. And I was like, I didn't, how did I not even know that? Like twins run in my family now in a way I wasn't even aware of. Um, And of course, then it made more sense when like one of my cousins had twins because they run in families and they tend to skip generations and look, that's what happened. So it was just weird. Like, why don't we do this? At least the basics of it in elementary school like go back even just like the grandparent generation
0: yeah I never really thought of that but it's kind of true yeah it's also kind of weird because usually you don't I think most people don't really think about these things until they are kind of older Mm -hmm. but I don't know it's been really fun for me I found a lot of stuff and like some things like you know I knew bits and pieces and things so like my great uncle Coyle was killed in world war ii i knew that but like i found a whole like newspaper article that said like where he died and like you know also like the date like i mean i knew world war ii but i mean i didn't know anything about the date or anything you know i found like marriage records and i found even my parents marriage record and it's so funny because so clearly neither one of them actually filled it out but so it has my dad's name and the which is Steven, but they spelled it with a PH instead of a V. Oh, interesting. I know, but it's like an official document. <laughs> but I mean, I, kn- I know that it's them. Like not only is his signature correct and my mom's signature is correct and like the time period and the date. Well, I don't know the right. exact date. I wouldn't have known that. But like the time period is like very like right on. Um, and it has my uncle's address and he still has that house. So like right. I know that it is theirs. But I was like dad
1: why, yeah, why, why is your you name spelled this? wrong
0: <laughs> yeah why did you sign this he was like i don't know i didn't know it was wrong and it was like but that's like an official document wouldn't you have looked at that before you signed it and he's like i don't know i don't remember i didn't mean,
1: expect you to read the whole thing because it's a marriage license you're probably like yeah, yeah yeah i'm getting married i got it but look that your name is right <laughs> but that's the thing there's not like a lot of information on it it's legit
0: like you know one person other person, address, a couple little check boxes, which this will blow your mind. Okay, granted, this is 1982 in Indiana, but I kid you not, checkbox white, Negro, Other. I was like, are you serious in the 80s? And I was like, I guess it was Indiana, but still I was like, in the 80s? Yep. It's crazy, but but literally I'm like, dad, how did you sign this? Your name isn't even right. This is like an official document. How would the person taking the marriage license take it? If they, you know what I mean? Wouldn't they have noticed that it was wrong? Didn't you have to show some ID or something? I was very confused and I love it
1: because my dad's literally like, I have no idea. He's like, I don't remember. like, okay. Okay. All right. I know. So it's kind of of fun. It was almost 40 years ago, but still. (laughs) But still i was like yeah
0: clearly they weren't um as particular about (laughs) government documentation in the 80s i guess that's so crazy i know know. but i kind of love it (laughs) i love finding things like that right? especially when then i can be like yo parents what were you thinking (laughs) (laughs) oh so
1: it's been fun it's been fun to see what i have
0: just can discover
1: i'm glad Well, if you have done Ancestry.com or if you live in Florida or have read Fable or listened to the South Beach Sessions, let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram at apartment29a, spelled all the way out, or at our Gmail account apt29a at gmail.com. And have a great week, folks. Bye. Thanks, everyone.